It's actually a dopamine response when we get things done. In fact, there's a popular saying, you know, get shit done. The problem is if you're getting shit done, you're doing shit. Like we, we don't think about the other <laughs> part of it. So in clockwork, what I talk about is moving from doing work to designing outcomes. And I believe actually that is the job of business owners and entrepreneurs. Our job isn't to do the work. Only 7% of the world population will ever be doing what you're doing, Christina, in, in owning a business by running a business. The other 93% of the world population is looking for a good, reliable job. Our job as entrepreneurs is to have a clear vision of the outcome we intend and then to choreograph resources, which is the technology, the vendors, and our employees to achieve that outcome. Welcome to the Become a Media Maven podcast. Today, I am chatting with Mike Michalowicz. And if you are a business owner, I'm sure you have heard of one of his books and really his accounting methodology called Profit First. It's life-changing if you are having any kind of cash flow issues. And even if you're not, it's a great way to handle your accounting. So I suggest Profit First. We also talk about a few of his other books, but we really get into what is in his book called Clockwork, which is basically designing your business to run itself, how you can work on it instead of in it, how you are most likely the bottleneck in your business growth. And he talks about just some simple ways that you can take time away from your business and not miss a beat. He also tells us a little bit about what is next. There are more books coming, and I made a little book suggestion for him. He thought it was funny. I was being completely serious, though, Mike Michalowicz. I hope you enjoy this interview with Mike Michalowicz. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Mike Michalowicz, welcome to the Become a Media Maven podcast. Christina, it's a joy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. I read this book, Profit First, back in the day. I think, I mean, I've been in business six years. I think maybe I read it like five years ago. And happy to say I have been profitable every month ever since because it teaches me to put the profit first. And then I read Clockwork when I needed to get out of the day-to-day and start working on the business instead of in the business, which we're going to talk about today. And this is your latest one, right? Fix This Next? Yep. I love Fix This Next. I mean, kind of explain to people why this is different than most business books, because I think it's really interesting, and it's really like it keeps people focused on what they need to literally fix next. Yeah, you know, I I think the biggest problem that entrepreneurs face is knowing what their biggest problem is. So the symptoms, this, I meet so many entrepreneurs and business owners myself for years too, who would say, I'm working on everything, but nothing's working. Uh, And there's this constant frustration. And the analogy I use in fix this next is like a chain. So Christina, if there was a chain between me and you and we're pulling it and, and our job is to make this chain stronger. If we fix all the links it will actually continue to break at the exact same point, whatever the weakest link is, until we, by happenstance, fix that weakest link. But instead, if we simply identify first the weakest link, strengthen that, now the entire chain has become stronger to wherever the next weakest link is, and then we fix that. So moving in a sequential order 
of identifying the weakest component and resolving that actually elevates the entire chain. Same, same thing in our business. There is a chain of events and maybe it's more of a web structure, but at any given time, there can only be one most vital need the business has. So that book is a tool, a diagnostic, to find it, fix it, and then find the next one to fix it. And you'll start seeing your business move forward much quicker than you do if you try to fix everything. And it's very cool because it's not like every other book that you read, because you can read this one out of order because every right. business has different things and different exactly. orders that you need to work on. So I love that. I want to focus more on what I learned about in Clockwork, because I think this is the biggest hurdle. It was the biggest hurdle slash is, can be still the biggest hurdle for me. And is a lot for business owners is actually working on the business instead of in it and getting yeah. out of the day to day. So before you tell us exactly how to do this and how to get better at it, why do you think this is such a struggle for people? Well, because we see immediate results when we do work. It feels good to respond to another email, to direct an employee, to do something, to collect that check. So in the immediate uh, emotional feeling, uh, we, we get joy. It's actually a dopamine response when we get things done. In fact, there's a popular saying, you know, get shit done. The problem is if you're getting shit done, you're doing shit. Like we, we don't think about the other <laughs> part of it. So in Clockwork, what I talk about is moving from doing work to designing outcomes. And I believe actually that is the job of business owners and entrepreneurs. Our job isn't to do the work. Only 7% of the world population will ever be doing what you're doing, Christina, in, in owning a business, by running a business. The other 93% of the world population is looking for a good, reliable job. Our job as entrepreneurs is to have a clear vision of the outcome we intend, and then to choreograph resources, which is the technology, the vendors, and our employees to achieve that outcome. We are the provider of jobs. But it is such a barrier to get past that immediate hit of, I got another thing done, another thing off my list, to moving on to something that's, I would argue, is more sophisticated and consumes more mental energy in organizing resources. But the benefits of that side are tremendous. You're building a business now that runs on automatic, a business that can run itself. You're providing for jobs. It allows us to lean into our grandest vision, whatever it may be, as opposed to being trapped in doing all the work. It really is life-changing. For me, it was a struggle at first because yeah. I came from a career in TV news and then I started this PR agency. So I was very much the face of my brand and I used my experience in the media to launch this PR agency. So to, I guess, put other people in charge, I was nervous. But yeah. once I started doing it, and I started hiring, I was like, oh my God, I need to hire all of the people now because this is amazing. It took not only a workload, but so much stress off of my shoulders. And then fast forward a few years, I had the time to build a software to help people become guests on podcasts. So then I had time to you know, build this other business that yeah. again, I work on and not in. So can you break down, because this is definitely something that just overall work on your business instead of in it. It's one of those things that it sounds easier said than done. So how do people even get started? Like what are the steps people need to take? Yeah, so we, we need to make a slow but consistent shift. It's not a switch overnight. In fact, that terminology of working on a business as opposed to in a business was coined by Michael Gerber. He's an author of E-Myth and it's a fabulous book. I had the privilege of keynoting with him in Mexico, uh, of all things, about seven, eight years ago. We shared the main stage and afterwards we went out for dinner and we had this exact conversation. I said, Michael, I love your book, but the problem is I'm waiting for that moment to happen where I can kind of flip the switch. 
and that's when the conversation went to, this is a recurring kind of very surgical process of extracting the owner out. So clockwork, what I try to do in this book is to move you from doing work over time to not doing any work at all. And what it starts off with is delegation. And many entrepreneurs struggle with the simple phase of delegation. Many of us actually don't delegate. We do what's called task rabbiting, where you may say, hey, Mike, I need you to get invoices done because you go do invoices. You've given me a task. Any problems I have with invoicing, I come back and say, Christina, how do we sort these invoices? Do we bill in 15-minute increments? What do we do? And you control the decision-making. That's a problem. There's actually a, uh, I think it's a Hindu goddess named Kali. Um, you may not know that name, but the figure is a female figure to head with eight arms. And that's what many small businesses become. One mind, the business owner, controlling the arms, which we're still now the linchpin. Our mind is the weakest link. So to start throttling over to a business that can run itself, we have to go through delegation. And the true definition of delegation is not assigning tasks, it's assigning outcomes. So instead of saying, hey, Mike, you know, would you go invoice? It'd be, hey, Mike, we need to make sure we bill our clients timely and accurately. Do you agree to that outcome? Sure, because if we bill timely, uh, that means we're being fair to ourselves for, for collections of cash. If we bill accurately, we're being fair to our clients because it represents the actual work we've completed. So we agree to the outcome. Then the delegator, the business owner, tells that employee, achieve that. And we have a best practice. You can follow our invoicing, but as you discover ways to improve upon it or you come across roadblocks, solve it. I hired you for that thing on your shoulder, that mind of yours. And the employee will come back. It's our nature to come back and say, well, I got one question. We have to have the absolute discipline of saying, I hired you for your mind. You navigate your path to the outcome. I just want to achieve the outcome and holding our employees accountable to outcomes. So the key is to start delegating. And to kind of throttle our way in, I would first delegate an easy task. What's the one thing that frustrates you, but it's kind of a low-hanging fruit? Is it responding to that same 25 questions you get over and over in email? Maybe we can have an employee respond uh, using templates or something like that. But ultimately, the ultimate test of delegation, and it's the hardest test, is to delegate the thing you love most. What do we love to do? Because if we can delegate that out and not do what we love to do, well, now we'll avoid that compulsion to keep reinserting ourselves in our business because we love to do what we love to do. And once you're able to delegate out what you love to do, it becomes so much easier to delegate everything else out and become a true designer, a visionary for your business, as opposed to an implementer and a doer. What do you say to those people who say, well, this is something that only I can do. Nobody else can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're human. You're normal. I said the same thing. Oh, I can do this. I I'm the hot tamale here. Like everyone else <laughs> it, it can never meet my standard. Well, the reality that I've discovered is there can there isn't another me out there. And that's why I was looking for another Mike. But there is a lot of parts of me that people are far superior at. So what I did was I, I call it fractionalization. I was fractionalizing or splitting myself into different elements and seeing myself as small pieces. And then I realized, wow, when I break myself into pieces, there's other people that are far more capable at the individual pieces. I thought I was great at invoicing. I'm fine at it. There's people that are great at invoicing. I thought I was good at design work. I'm marginal at best. There's people that are extraordinary at it. So I fractionalized myself out. But the other thing, and I think this is the most important thing, I reframed how I define myself. I used to call myself the superhero. I can swoop in and fix everything or anything. That was a problem. I reframed it as the supervisionary. And I see this as a more significant role. It satisfies my fat ego. But... When I see myself as a supervisionary, it is my job to help 
my team of heroes here to achieve the ultimate outcomes. My job is to support them, to cheer them on, to, to give them some insights and support. But now that I see myself in that role, when there's something that's not meeting the standard I expect, it's my problem. I didn't outline the vision enough. I didn't cheer up the team enough. I didn't empower them enough. So I've turned it on, my, on itself and I don't insert myself and do the work anymore. A couple of years ago, I hired a director of operations and I basically said like, I need you to do everything that I'm doing, which is basically managing the team and making sure the clients are happy. Yeah. And for the first few months, probably longer than that, I would step on her toes like crazy. Like I would see things come in email and I would just respond. Cause like, look, it's just easier for me to just respond just here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier and it's quicker and I'll just do this. And when I got out of it, I was like, I was the biggest bottleneck in, yeah. in my business growth. Do you see that a lot? See it all the time. And so the solution to that I found, I write about it extensively in, in Clockwork, is the four-week vacation. Here's what I found, is that when a business owner is removed from the business for four consecutive weeks, for almost all business, that represents the entirety of a monthly cycle. So we we probably have invoicing, collections, new clients, maybe an employee is working out or isn't working out. All those elements need to be addressed pretty much every month. And I, and I concluded that if we remove ourselves from the business for four weeks, then the business has to run on itself, by itself. So what I did was I declared, and I encourage everyone, declare a four-week vacation. And maybe not tomorrow, but you know, 18 months from now, or maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, but put it in the calendar where you're removing yourself from the business. And you're gonna have this oh shit moment. Like now I can't you know, fly in and just take care of the email because it's easier. I'm not gonna be around. It forces us to start bringing about systems. It forces us to start empowering employees. And the, the key concept around this four-week vacation is not a vacation for us per se. It's a business getting a vacation from us. That's the key. So it changes again the mindset and that will help us empower our colleagues. I did a mini version of this by accident. I went huh. on a Disney cruise. And if you've ever been on a cruise, you know, the internet is not good right. on a cruise, regardless of where you go. And I was not expecting that. So I was thinking, you know, I could still hop on my phone and do work. And when I realized I couldn't, I did have that oh shit moment. But then when I got back, I was like, everything was fine. There were no right. fires to put out. Like a lot of it is, is mental. A lot of it's mental. And and we don't realize how much our colleagues, and when I say colleagues, it can be actual employees, full-time, part-time, can be contractors, virtual help. Even our vendors are a form of colleagues. They're, they're doing something that only benefits our business. What I didn't realize is how much I was actually holding them down. I wasn't empowering them. When I left, I left for four, I've done it now for five consecutive years. I take off December 7th to January 7th, I'm gone. And that's actually a lot of activity in our business during that period of time. When I left for the first time, I was panicked, like, how are they gonna do this? And I'm gonna come back to a business that's gone. When I returned, I asked my colleagues, I said, on a one to 10, how badly do you need me getting back to work? A one, we never need to see you again. A 10, Mike, we don't even have time to talk, work now. They gave me a 1.1. <laughs> they said, <laughs> You're, you're a nice guy and we like hanging out with you, but we don't need you. Then employee after employee, contractor after contractor, vendor after vendor said, we felt empowered. We had control. We felt that we could make decisions. We didn't have to serve to your vision and kind of play into that. We could start serving our own vision, which was the, in the best interest of the company because you made it so clear of what our company mission is, what we're trying to achieve. And the team elevated. I came back 
the second iteration of my fortification with a business with more revenue, we introduced new products and the business had less and less dependency on me. It actually allowed me to do what ultimately every business owner can do. Business owners become afraid also if I have the business run itself, what do I have left to do? I, this is my business, I like to actually work. When you get a business running itself, you as a business owner have the permission to reinsert yourself in a capacity that gives you joy. I love being the spokesperson for my business, kind of like what we're doing now. I love talking about concepts and ideas and rooting on entrepreneurs, and I love writing books. So I elected to reinsert myself in the business that way. Now I have backups and redundancy that if I fail to deliver on certain components, it can continue on. I have other people who are actively speaking on the concepts I write about. So if I stop speaking about it, people are still speaking about it. I have a co-writer that helps me with a lot of the writing now so that I can produce at the level I want to produce. So some redundancy by having served myself in that capacity because it gives me so much joy. When you take this time off, and I don't know what your email situation is. I don't know if you're in your inbox. I know you do have somebody, you know, I was working with Erin in your inbox to schedule this interview. She is amazing. Shout out to Erin in the inbox. What do you do with the email when you're taking off for four weeks? Is it just like, hey, I'm off for four weeks. Contact this person. No big deal. Yeah, we have three people managing it. So for the end user experience, uh, there's never an interruption. Actually, I don't believe in that, you know, out, out now because for the customer, their expectation is whatever inquiry they have, they want it satisfied. The fact that I chose to go on vacation for four weeks, let alone a week, isn't their concern. They want it addressed. So I don't, I don't believe in, in people checking out. I believe in redundancy. So the email, it flows on right to another person. I actually have three people actively helping co-facilitate my email and, and they manage it. And so, uh, but I also, have the email password changed. As I walk out the door, one of the colleagues, they changed the email so I can't break the system. They continue to manage it. <laughs> but now I can't like, you know, check in while I'm at Disney and say, hey, how are things going on? And I, I need that. I, I love the work I do so much and, and it gives me so much joy to be here. I love to reinsert myself, which then defeats the business. So that that's a little hack to get around that. That is a hack. Is that something that was your idea or their idea because you were breaking the rules? Uh, yeah, it was a good point. It, it was, uh, I actually don't know who the, came up with the ideas per se, but I know they identified the problem because we did a debrief after my first vacation. So I said, what didn't work? And I say the fact that you kind of checked in, you kind of disrupted things, and then it caused actually tons of confusion trying to figure things out. We, we want total control. And then that was one of the ideas. Cause I said, but I can't help myself. I just, I just gotta get a little flavor of the business. And uh, so they said, well, not an email. Um, they can text me a report, what's going on say, hey, Mike, why well, you know we're having a great time and business is going well, but the communication is extremely limited. That's hard because it is like you're breaking a habit. And I know a lot of people have that habit with social media and checking email to all of a sudden not be able to. It is like very foreign. It's very foreign. And, and I'll tell you, the first week of the first vacation, I was like, no one needs me. I was like sitting in a restaurant just sobbing, like, oh, my God, like, do I even have a meeting on this planet? And that's when I started to reframe. Like, my job is to create jobs. My, my job is to be a visionary. And that's what's happening here. You know, when you leave your business, you don't leave the business. When you leave your business, what, so I started realizing that second week was I started thinking in a whole new level whole new way. How, how could we, how can I expand what I'm doing? How can the mission we're serving uh, play out at a much, much bigger level? So 
the ideations and the thoughts started coming through like never before. Now, I part of me thirsts for that four-week vacation because I know some of the greatest business considerations are going to come out of that because I'm not doing it all. It's just raw designing and it doesn't need a computer. In fact, it needs a computer removed from me. It doesn't need email or the phone. It needs it removed from me. It just needs the space to think. And you have, I mean, obviously you have the book Clockwork that helps people with this, but don't you have a program around Clockwork to help people? Like if they want help actually implementing this? We do. It's called Run Like Clockwork. And what I found is many people read a book and they don't know if they're actually doing the process right. They've read it, they have it, but they want to make sure they're doing it right. So that brought about a business called Run Like Clockwork. It's run by my business partner. Her name is Adrian Dorison. Uh, and just like Clockwork, I'm not involved actively in the business. I give it guidance. I show up occasionally and, and share some thoughts and stuff. But it's run, that organization's run. And, and I'm proud to say we now have thousands of graduates um, that have gone through this Clockwork system at that level and uh, arguably have the most efficient businesses they've ever had. That's awesome. I will link to that in the show notes, Mike. And then what is what is next for you? I mean, now that you're working on the business, I mean, you have a plethora of books and all of the ones I have read are fantastic. So well, are the, there more books in the work? Yeah, more books. The plethora is only going to expand. You know, now I've been freed up to to step into my true joy, which is creating new concepts, serving entrepreneurs and writing books. So uh, right now, um, uh, I have one book coming out this fall called Get Different. What I did was I studied marketing and I found that there, there's a major problem that many entrepreneurs face when it comes to marketing is they roll out a marketing plan, um, but it fails to be effective. So they revert back to the number one form of marketing, which is no marketing at all, which is waiting for referrals. Like my clients will send me referrals. That, that's the icing on the cake, but that's not the cake. So this book is called Get Different. And what I um, discovered was how to win the marketing milliseconds how an email or a uh, social media post or a presentation at the local chamber of commerce or wherever platforms you're on, how you can instantly garner attention to garner attraction, get people engaged, and then direct them to take action. So that's that's the book that I'm hyped up about now and comes out this September. That's exciting. Can I make um, another book suggestion? I would like to read an autobiography. <laughs> You're the first. You are literally no. the first. Lots so, of people uh, buy it, Mike. <laughs> okay, so I may have one reader. Uh, um, I, I will contemplate that. I mean, it no, may be about two pages long. No, it will not. You've written a plethora of books, and I mean, you've you've had business failures and you've had yeah. business successes, and you're very open about the. I mean, it would be a great business book. It would oh, be like a business kind. book. You have in one. Okay. Now I'm thinking. Now I'm okay. thinking. All right. There you go. And it could, I mean, you play on words with the mic and the there whole thing. There you go. Thing. The book could be called Open Mic, right? Mm. So many thoughts. So mm. many thoughts. Anything else you want to add that I should have asked, Mike? Just, I just want to just encourage every entrepreneur, you know, any individual listening to this right now, however you came across this, I just want you to know how important you are. I, I can't drive home this concept enough. The world is starving for your success. Your success, Christina, and every person listening right now, the world's starving for it. And I think many entrepreneurs feel that that we're out just to serve ourselves, that it's about us making a buck. Um, and that's part of it. But every dollar you create is contributing to our economy. And the world is 
needs particularly small business success more than ever right now with all this shift that's going on. So just, just bring your A game. We need you. We're starving for you. And if you need help bringing your A game, may I suggest the pumpkin plan, profit first, clockwork, fix this next. What else? What else am I missing? Surge. Oh, well, it goes on for Yeah. The toilet paper entrepreneur <laughs> even. Um, yeah. And, and get, get different that's coming out. So the books are out there. The books are out there. Plenty of books. I will link to them in the show notes for this episode, as well as a link to your site and the Run Like Clockwork program. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Make sure you check out the show notes. I have linked to my favorite books that I have read by him. I have not read them all, but I am a big fan of Profit First, Clockwork, and Fix This Next. And then I'm excited for his next one coming up. So don't forget to head to becomeamediamaven.com. For the show notes, you can also find it where you're listening to this podcast as well. And if you haven't yet, make sure you tap that subscribe button, leave a positive rating or a review, and I will see you again next week on another episode of Become a Media Maven.